Creative Babble. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. A quick word before we begin today's episode. This is part three of a multi-episode series. If you want to listen to all the episodes ad-free, subscribe to Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts, or sign up to be a Patreon member. You could binge all the episodes right now, or listen to it on this feed weekly. Also, this episode contains adult language and subjects that are not suitable for children or listening out loud at work. You might get some strange looks. Okay, let's start the show. Previously on Pretend... Claudia and David started getting harassing Instagram and text messages from a person claiming to be their daughter's doctor's husband. Yes, the doctor's husband. A man these people claim they never met. The messages started off benign and quickly turned sadistic. This guy put a threat out to our home and he said, I'm in your neighborhood and I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to kill you. The cyber stalking started in January of 2019 and is still going on today. Every time that the stalker sends a threatening message, the Rodriguez family calls the police. Eventually, the police decided to do a stakeout to see if they can figure out who was sending these messages. Almost three months went by and not a single message was received. But then... So January 9th of of last year, I get a bang, bang, bang on our front door. So I'm already paranoid as it is. I don't, I was scared. You know, especially after what we've been through. So I didn't answer it. I just waited for the gentleman to walk away. And I pulled the business card out of our screen door and it was the detective. So I called at work and I said, the detective showed up and maybe he has an answer for us. So I called him from, from my, my route, my mail route. And I, I, I told him, I said, yeah, my wife said that you were by the house. And he said, yes, I did the, uh, subpoenas of Instagram, and it turns out everything came from your house. And I said, that's impossible. And he said, nope, everything, everything came from your house. Police subpoenaed Instagram to identify who created these threatening messages. There were 11 accounts with juvenile usernames such as Grace Gresman's Vagina Love. Instagram provided the police with the IP addresses used to create the accounts. All the accounts, except for two, were pointing to the same person. The police also subpoenaed Cox Communication, the internet service provider, and that came back with the same results. All the messages were sent from the same IP address. Instagram and Cox Communications both confirmed it. It was Claudia Rodriguez's account. And I said, well, then he must have hacked into our system. You know, he must have hacked into our internet to make that happen. Is it even possible for a hacker to make it look like messages are coming from inside someone's house? We're going to get into the whole tech of it in a future episode, but for now, just know that the police got a search warrant for Cox Communication and Instagram to obtain information from the IP addresses associated with the messages. The IP addresses came back under Claudia's name. Now, what's an IP address? Well, 
An IP address is a series of numbers that identifies a phone or a computer on a network. Think of it this way. One of your friends wants to meet you at your house, but they don't know where you live. You give them your home address, let's say 123 Main Street, any town USA. Now your friend has the information they need to find you. It's the same concept with IP addresses on the internet. Every network is assigned an address, and in the case of the cyberstalker, the police say that the address was pointing back to Claudia and David's house. Insane, right? This is not your typical cyberstalking scenario. Typically, it's a disgruntled employee, an ex-boyfriend, an obsessed friend. Some cyberstalkers even cross the line into the physical realm and can inflict real harm. Oftentimes, victims have an idea of who the stalker is, but not in this case. This case remains a mystery to me. Some days I'm confident I know who the perpetrator is, then something new happens and everything unravels. In today's episode, Claudia and David take matters into their own hands. There's a confrontation with the alleged stalker and things don't go as planned. I'm Javier Leva and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. I did the uh, subpoenas of Instagram, and it turned out everything came from your house. And I said, that's impossible. And he said, nope, everything, everything came from your house. And he was, he was just adamant, and it was a very short conversation. And he, he said, well, if you want, I can look at your phones and, and this and that. And I knew that wasn't going to fly because we don't want to give the police custody of our phones. And then we don't know when we're going to get back, if we're going to get them back. I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense to give them our devices. Because number one, everything that they needed to see was on Instagram. Everything they need to see is on Instagram. And secondly, we had got new devices in December. So there's nothing on a brand new device that you're going to get 
This is not a good look. First, the police find out that all these messages are originating from inside their own house, and now the cops are asking for their phones, computers, and tablets, and Claudia and David are refusing? Did you give the cops your login credentials and all that so they could see your Instagram? They subpoenaed it, so they they, they looked... They, they I, apparently they looked i don't know but it sounds like the detectives from what you're telling me were taking you seriously for the most part no not really oh no they would just come out to the house and take a report but in my opinion the police went above and beyond when considering most stalking cases it's not that police don't take stalking victims seriously it's just that most police departments don't have the manpower or the resources to chase down a stalker. Stalking, especially cyberstalking, is a difficult crime to investigate and prosecute. Cyberstalking is outlawed in the state where the Rodriguez family lives. However, the penalties for cyberstalking can range anywhere from a year to three years in prison. And trying to get a conviction can be tricky because there's usually very little evidence. In order to find evidence, police have to get a court-ordered warrant to search the suspect's devices. And then how do you get around the alibi? Maybe a roommate or someone in the house had access to the computer without your knowledge. You can see how this could be troublesome. So the fact that the cops even bothered to do a six-hour stakeout and requested search warrants from Instagram and Cox Communication is above and beyond what most law enforcement agencies would do. But Claudia and David are not satisfied. And, and then they would say things like, well, why don't you change your number? You're part of the problem. But, but why didn't you change your number? Because I've, I, I'm okay, curious. I'll tell you, because my, my kids see a lot of different providers. And so I thought it would be such a hassle to have to change my number that I've had for over 20 years. And then I thought also, it's my right to keep my number. It's my right. So eventually... We did change our numbers, but I just felt forced into doing it because he wouldn't stop. The police involvement in this case wrapped after court-ordered subpoenas showed that the harassing messages were originating from inside Claudia and David's own home. Now that the police were out of the way, the stalker returned and decided to amp things up. A few weeks after the police concluded their investigation, Claudia and David got a text message from a man that said, Hey, this is Zach from OKCupid. Okay you told me to text you. Claudia responded and told him that she's not on OKCupid. Then another text came through in response to an OKCupid ad. Then another one. And another one. And these are real people. I was able to plug in their phone numbers and do a reverse search. One night, we even got someone show up at our home at 1030 at night expecting a hookup. And when he found out that he wasn't going to get a hookup, he got extremely mad. And that's dangerous. And around the same time period, Dr. Gresman contacted the police and alerted them that some new fake accounts were created under her and her husband's name. The Instagram account is one of the accounts associated with Claudia and David's IP address. Meanwhile, Claudia and David called the police because they continued to receive threatening text messages from a handful of phone numbers. The messages read, If I can bomb the hospital, then yeah, I would. Another one said, The stalker even started messaging Chelsea, Dr. Gresman's former patient. He did some things to my daughter that were unforgivable. He reached out to my daughter, who's disabled, and he told her that um, 
she's retarded and that she's not worth the sperm that it took to create her and that she needed to kill herself. And I can't forgive him for that. The police accused me of doing that, that I, that I'm the one that wrote my kid that. And he did it on a couple of different occasions where he would message her and taunt her about her disabilities and, and too bad doctor, you know, what won't be your doctor anymore. And, and she actually responded in more of an adult way than, than he did. She responded like, I love my parents and I don't want you to talk about them like that or me. She responded like in a very adult way. And I was like, so proud of her. Police were able to trace the numbers to a company called Bandwidth. Bandwidth is a company that sells voiceover IP numbers. The way it works is that Bandwidth sells phone numbers to companies, and those companies then sell those phone numbers to other companies like Google Voice, Pinger, Ring Central, etc. Trying to trace those numbers back to the user can be tricky, but would involve the cooperation from multiple companies. The harassment continued. Three separate pizza orders totaling more than $200 were delivered to the Rodriguez's home. So yeah, he used our numbers to order food and have it delivered to our home and it wasn't food for. And then it would have the name of the doctor on the receipt and like mocking. The the police said, I'm the one that did that. Why would I do that? The names on the pizzas were, quote, Grace Fremstead. Another one was Grace Gresman Fremstead. The last one was Grace Fremstead. All variations of the doctor and the security captain's name. Let's get our bearings straight. The stalking started in the summer of 2019. The police stakeout took place in the fall of 2019. In just a few months, the Rodriguez family went from being the victims to the suspect in their own harassment case. So in the spring of 2020, they decided to take matters into their own hands. We'll continue the story after the break. What would you do if you're getting threatening messages and the police think that you're doing it to yourself? Claudia and David felt that they had to do something, not only to stop the harassment, but to clear their name. So they hired a private investigator. Our private investigator that we work with, she initially pinned it. We told her that it was the security guard. She said, it's not the security guard. I think it's the husband. (laughs) And I was like, what? She, she guessed it right off the bat. She goes, I, I know, I know it's him. I know it's the husband. Somehow, the stalker seemed to know about Claudia and David's private investigator named Mary. In fact, he would reference her height in some of the messages. And then he said, send your midget over. The midget is our private investigator. She's like 410. So I thought, okay, fine, I'll call your bluff. So I call her and I said, uh, would you do this job tonight? And she said, yes. So I could tell that she was nervous. She, she's a tough broad. She's a tough lady. And she, she seemed kind of nervous. And we met up about three blocks away from this doctor's home. She said, I'm psyching myself up. It was already dark. It was dark. She says, if I'm not back within an hour, please um, call the police. So about 20 minutes later, she came back visibly shaken. She said his behavior is odd. He was looking all around instead of looking right at me when, when we were talking. She, she didn't talk about us or the situation. She, she made up a story as to why she was there. She said his behavior is very odd. So I called up Claudia and David's private investigator, Mary, to get her take on all this. Hi, Mary. My name is Javier Leva. I w- was told to call you. By- yes, you're 
more than happy to talk with you about it. Uh, it's a very strange situation. It really is. I have combed through a lot of the text messages, the police uh-huh. reports, and a lot of the timeline that they built to chronologically tell their story. And there were some interesting things happening, especially when you got involved, because I know that you've tried to approach the, the family, right? Yes, yes, I have. I, I sat surveillance outside of the house one day. I wanted to uh, get a photograph of him because we had been do. I was doing some surveillance at the this residence the night before, and a gentleman rode past us on a bicycle. And the the other time I went there, he had asked for to have her send me. When he he came to the door in a rage, just you know, very angry, and he had a, a golf club in his in his hand, and he poked me in the chest with it, and chased me away. I ran out to my car. And got in it and locked it. When you approached him, like when you walked up to his door, did you tell him who you were and why you were there? Or did he already know? He already knew. He he came to the door this way. I do not think that anyone in their right mind would answer a door like that. It, but it, it it was very strange because she said he had asked for me to come. And what kind of things were was he saying exactly? He wanted to get get out of here, stop harassing us. Uh, we just want this to be over. You guys are crazy. Just leave us alone, and we don't want anything to do with any of this anymore. As if they had been harassing him or something as if they were doing to him what he was doing to them. He looked like a madman. <laughs> as I recall, he just it was something like, what's the matter with you people? Why can't you leave us alone? What else did he say? It was something about we're not going to put up with this any longer. If it doesn't stop, we're going to do something about it, and you're going to be sorry. And when he poked me with the golf club, you know, he wanted me to press charges. And I felt that was, for one thing, inserting myself too much into the investigation. It's not advisable. And if it had been anyone else, I would not I would never charge someone just because they had poked me with, with a golf club. Because uh, it, it didn't really hurt you, but it was definitely a, no. a threatening move, right? Yeah, it was an, an aggressive move and threatening, but it didn't hurt me. Claudia and David claim that 45 minutes after Mary visited the Gresman's house, they received a text message from the stalker. The stalker asked, why did you send the midget to this house? Unquote. He mentioned hitting the private investigator with a golf club. And what's your take on this situation? Like, what do you think? I know that they were your clients, but yeah. do you feel well? like you believe their side of the story? I do. They're very normal, down-to-earth people, very nice people. I can't even fathom why they would do such a thing. I can't picture them even with such language coming out of their mouths. I can't even imagine them knowing some of those things, (laughs) you know. uh, But when I spoke to the detective, 
he told me that he felt that it was coming from their house. And I said, okay, why would they do such a thing? And he simply said, I stopped asking why years ago. Uh, so he definitely did not buy their side of the story. No, not at all. I think that, that Dr. had charmed him. That was the, the feeling I got. He wanted it to be solved an easy cut and dried matter yeah that, that and i think that's what bothers me about this case just reading the police yeah. report it, it it doesn't look good for claudia and david it almost makes it sound like they're making this whole thing up yeah it does but i don't know i've talked with on the phone many times for for hours and she has a very busy life and i can't see her having a, a disorder like that where she needs attention. It, it just, it doesn't compute when I look at her and I think about that, what they're saying. It doesn't add up to me. From your investigation, though, like what kind of new evidence were you able to find that convinced you one way or the other? I could not come up with any evidence that we could use that would be suitable in court or anywhere to say that unequivocally it was we went to a forensic company that did work with computers and phones and they couldn't get anywhere because of these numbers he had used i i just couldn't help but see and feel that these people were not doing this uh, even though I couldn't come up with any evidence that we could use. I mean, you, you've got to have hard and fast stuff there to, to take into court. and There just wasn't anything. What do you think his motivation is? <sighs> That's a hard one, except that I, I think that he, he's jealous of his wife. I think that he, he feels like just a clown in the background. Uh, she she may, he's mentioned she's having an affair, and she may well be, I don't know, but I think that he's very insecure in his relationship with his wife. She obviously wears the pants financially, and I don't know, to, as far as I'm concerned, the person who controls the finances controls the relationship. And so I think a lot of it has to do with that. I think that I I don't know. I don't know. It's all it, everything I could tell you is conjecture. Exactly. Not based on yeah. fact. Yeah. It's not, but he's very insecure with that, I think, and I think he's a little bit off balance to begin with. He just I remember when I the first time I saw his photograph, I I just got a weird feeling. There was something about the look in his eyes. I don't know. He just it was a strange feeling like this guy's not quite right. But that's just me. I don't know if he was hoping that he would be caught and it would adversely affect his wife or if he was trying to be her knight in shining armor or something like that. It's a very juvenile sort of uh, mind frame, I think, that he's operating with. But from the text that he sends, he certainly doesn't seem to be someone who has a grip on reality. So. And and you say this, again, as conjecture, because you weren't able to conclusively link the Gresmans to this. 
but but you right. feel like the Rodriguez's are telling you the truth. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way too when I talk to them. They seem like very yeah. just very normal people. They, they are just they're your everyday you know, middle class working people. Nothing extraordinary about them at all. And they've maybe been dealt their share of troubles having uh, kids that a lot learning disabled child and another who suffers from depression and all that. But I think most families have something. Next time on Pretend. I said, you know what? You're all talk. I said, why don't you meet us in person? Things escalate quickly. And he said, um, okay. Even a federal law enforcement agency gets involved. So I, I drove my daughter down, down to the postal inspector office and, and they basically interrogated her. She came out in tears. They looked at her phone. She, they were looking at apps that she had downloaded and years taken ago. off her phone years ago. And she told them, I have nothing to do with this. All fingers are pointing back at the Rodriguez's oldest daughter. That's next time on Pretend. You can binge all the episodes of this series right now. Become a Pretend Plus subscriber on Apple Podcasts or join Patreon and become a supporter there. My Patreon supporters get really cool swag like stickers and t-shirts. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. And remember, if you're a victim of a cyber stalker, there are resources that can help. Go to stalkingawareness.org. Remember, if a stalker calls you, don't answer the phone or respond to the messages. Alert your neighbors, your coworkers, and let them know that to look out for anything suspicious. And if you have kids, make sure you talk to them about what to do in case of an emergency. Again, go to stalkingawareness.org to learn what kind of resources are available to you. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Creative back.